Most of the homes in Breslau, Germany, had tidy front yards, neatly tended gardens, and thick Persian rugs in the parlor. But at the Bonhoeffer home, chickens strutted across the tennis court, lizards, snakes, and rabbits were kept in a small zoo near the kitchen, and the family's pet nanny goat wandered freely in and out of the parlor. The children, four boys and four girls, went to school at home in a makeshift classroom with desks, chalkboards, and a trunk full of wigs, hats, and costumes. The family had a governess, a nursemaid, a cook, a housemaid, and a chauffeur, but their mother, Paula Bonhoeffer, was their teacher. She was strict when it came to table manners, but otherwise she loved to say yes to her children's ideas. So when her oldest sons, Carl Friedrich, 14, Walter, 13, and Klaus, 12, asked to dig up the front yard to create an underground passageway, she agreed. The boys tunneled all the way to the edge of the property, a stand of pine trees the children called the Wilderness. Meanwhile, the girls, Ursula, 11, Crystal, 10, Sabina, 7, and Suzanne, 4, took over an upstairs room and turned it into a gigantic dollhouse. One time they played all day, until the nursemaid rang the dinner bell. They quickly washed and assembled around a massive dining room table. Everyone was present and accounted for, except seven-year-old Dietrich. The nursemaid went out on the veranda and called his name over and over again. Eventually, his twin sister, Sabina, spotted him lying on his back, lost in a daydream in his secret garden hideout. He came in sheepish and sunburned, completely oblivious to the fact that he'd held up dinner again. Dietrich was the dreamer in the family. His father, Karl, was one of the most prominent psychiatrists in Germany, and his mother came from an aristocratic family full of intellectuals. His older brothers were bigger, stronger, smarter, and, as Dietrich saw it, better at everything. Karl Friedrich, the oldest, was a genius at physics. He would later help Albert Einstein split the atom. Walter could speak several languages, and he could identify every flower and tree he saw. Klaus, who their father said was perhaps the brightest of them all, was also the wit in the family. Dietrich's sisters were formidable, too. Ursula was a beauty, and like her father, she studied psychiatry. Crystal studied zoology. Sabina, Dietrich's twin, was athletic. And Suzanne, the baby, seemed to be good at everything. Dietrich sometimes felt lost in this big, rambunctious, and talented family. He tried to do everything his big brothers did, but because they were so much older, he was often dragged into playing dolls with his sisters. And so he would wander off to the garden to be alone. He would watch the clouds scud by overhead, feel the breeze rustle the pine needles in the forest nearby, and think. He would wonder, how did God create the world? Did God love everyone, even bad people? Did God eat lunch? But it was the sight of horses pulling a black-draped casket on its way to a nearby cemetery that set him off on a lifelong quest. From that day on, he became obsessed with a single question, What happens after we die? Many nights as he lay in bed across from Sabina, 
with only the glow of a small cup candle on the windowsill to light the darkened room, he would ask her if she could possibly imagine something as awe-inspiring as eternity. It sounds long and gruesome, she said. If you believed in heaven, he argued, dying wouldn't be hard at all. But for all his big talk, Dietrich was often afraid in everyday life. He was too nervous to walk home from school alone. He was terrified of learning to swim. And when a family friend dressed up as Father Christmas and surprised the Bonhoeffer children, Dietrich froze in terror, hiding behind Sabina's skirt. Sometimes he would summon up the courage to cut through the wilderness to visit his beloved grandmother, Julie Toffel, who kept an antique silver box filled with chocolate, waiting for him when he visited. And sometimes, while the others were outside chasing butterflies, he would plink away at the piano keys. Soon, he was playing Mozart sonatas. By twelve, he was composing his own songs.